please come and sit down. We've got the great privilege of having Dave and Liz with us, and they're going to be speaking to us now about marriage. <laughs> Mike's, Mike's given me permission to get nasty if I need to, um, but it would be much nicer if you just came and sat down quickly. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I could, I'm sure I could get nasty if I needed to. Well, um, when we prayed for Dave and New Ground at Enough in Cambridge, it was quite special for us to do that because Dave was involved in Cambridge being planted uh, 23 years ago. And so it was lovely for many people who were in the planting phase 23 years later to be praying for him and his sphere and the churches that meet with him. And uh, Anna and I were listening to one of their talks about marriage in the car on our way up to the conference this weekend and just crying with laughter because they've got so many stories to tell and so much wisdom to share. And uh, it's real and it's honest and it's helpful and it's so important. Uh, James, do we need to say anything? No, you're just sitting. Okay, so let's welcome the great Dave and Liz Holden. (laughs) The great. Thank you for your approval. This made me feel much better. I'm going to share for a few moments and then Liz is going to jump up and tell you the truth. Um, And then we're going to maybe even get a little bit of a question time at the end before we uh, go on. So I know this is a bit of a kind of gear change, um, um, but I... So our testimony was this, that when we uh, began uh, New Ground a few years ago, we got together, some of us, and we went through what are the things that right now we feel either we could do a little bit better than we've had done in the past because you have a new start, you have a new beginning. And one of the issues that was raised was the whole issue of marriage. And so unapologetically, <laughs> at our very first gathering, we nailed the importance of marriage and ministry and it's not like we haven't done that in the past whatever you heard was probably quite some time ago so it's not like it's a new thing but we just made it an absolute priority that when we start off together we are going to raise the issue of marriage and ministry uh, we often live in a world where it's not raised it's not a major priority and there are consequences for that, so the first time we got together, I spoke and Liz spoke about marriage generally, and then I got three couples to stand up one after the other, and I had no idea what they were going to say. And um, each of the couples got up and gave kind of testimonies of very different seasons of life. That's the only thing I've managed to do: get the seasons of life. And I cannot tell you how honest and open they were in what they shared. It was scary. And what was even more scary was I had Terry and Wendy Virgo sitting behind me. And as this went on more and more, and they were sharing, I was thinking, this is, we, we didn't used to talk like this publicly. I'm sure Terry's sitting there thinking, what have you done? What have you opened up? And, uh, and it really, really got alarmingly kind of open and honest and what was being shared. And, uh, and, and I got an email the next day from Terry 
um, which was so sweet, saying that was one of the most amazing sessions I've ever heard of marriage. I'm, oh, thank I'm alive again. And, uh, and I think what it did for us, actually, was it got less and less about marriage and more, more about honesty and openness. So unwittingly, we opened the door for honesty. And not just about marriage, but about a lot of other things. Because I, I think one of the values we wanted to have was an open, honest uh, appraisal and, and relationship with one another. So right off the bat, by word of introduction, and we're not going to do a marriage seminar for you guys now. I'm sure that you've heard many on this. But we want to just raise issues related a little bit to the first session of how what makes us fruitful and what causes our marriages to really go through everything and come out stronger than when they went in. Do you know the honest issue is this, that since the last time you met, I guarantee there's been issues related to marriage either in your churches or in public ministry, well-known people. 2015 has been an utter disaster in the United States with several major high-profile ministries that have all gone crashing down on this one subject. You understand why we need to make it a priority. And and in these nearly 40 years I've been in ministry, I would say it's been the most constant, devastating issue, almost without ceasing. We know there's lots of other issues and pressures, but this is the one constant. So we've got 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 to address it. We would be most naive to not do so. And when you hear of a friend or someone well-known who's crashed and it's often over moral issues or we've just heard that their marriage has broken up and she's left him and gone off with someone or he has or whatever, and we have the reaction, don't we? What? Surely not them of all people. It's not the people that had dodgy marriages that shock you. It's the ones who you thought had an outstanding relationship. And we think, surely not. What does, that, what does that say to us? It says that the moment you heard the news was not the moment that the problem happened. But the problem had happened years ago and there's been a gradual accommodation of the issues that should have been addressed. Or there's been a gradual erosion of what might have started as an outstanding marriage but has then come to this devastating position. Can I be dead honest with you? You as a movement have even had ministries come amongst you and they're no longer in ministry. Wow. So you think, well, this is real. This is relevant. This is very close to home. And this sad question I've had, to, whatever happened to so-and-so, oh, well, they had marriage problems and difficulties and they didn't really address them and we kind of saw it, but no one would listen and it went down. So, why is this happening? Well, this is happening for two main reasons. One is it's an attack of an enemy strategy against the church. So if people say to me, these marriages, people in ministry that are falling, is that the enemy? I say, certainly it is. Undoubtedly, There is a scheme, the Bible talks about the scheme of the enemy. And scheme, the original word means idea or plan. So we have an enemy who knows you, knows your church, 
knows this area that we live in, knows this nation. He knows. Principalities and powers are real. Even if your theology teaches you, don't go around screaming at them. It doesn't mean they're not there. They're there. They're real. So, and they're active. Where are they active? Are they all up there in the heavenlies? Actually, no. They're operating in our churches. For example, if you have gossip in your church, what is that? It's a principality in power. It's a, it's a scheme of the enemy to split your church. So every time I refuse to gossip, I pull down a stronghold. It's as simple as that. It's watching for the things that are wrong and dealing with them. And so there must be a scheme of the enemy to, for if we can destroy the marriages of people in ministry, the effect of that is devastating. And I heard Terry speak a f- only a few years ago. He said something on, talk about warfare and things. He says, I think that the enemy will wait until the greatest devastation can be afflicted. So in other words, if he takes me out in my 50s and 60s, then the devastation will be massive than if it happened to me in my 20s where hardly anybody knew me. I remember sitting when he said this, absolutely scared stiff. Because we think, oh, we're through all these things. And I think, my goodness. And if it's to do with marriage, it means more attention as the years go by, more application, less excuses of, well, I'm so busy, I haven't got time to concentrate on my marriage. That is a disastrous statement to make. You never get there as if you've perfected this thing. So there is a scheme of the enemy. What does the Bible say? Do not be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. Folks, wake up. We're surrounded by devastation on this front. You don't have to go there because you can wake up and be alert and see the trouble that the enemy causes and you can give yourself to the opposite, which is to be diligent with your married relationship. The second reason it's happening is because of neglect. So before, these are not contradictions. So before we all say, oh, it's the devil, it's the devil, it's the devil. Yes, because it's a scheme. But also it's, about our neglect of one another we will be vulnerable to the schemes of the enemy if we neglect one another in relationship if we take one another for granted if I as a husband am not diligent to constantly be aware of Liz's needs and those being met and what we found recently is that your lives together as a couple separated from one another can get filled up with so much of what you're living for and that can be building a local church or planting a church that we don't have any spare capacity left for one another and these this is these are danger signs when this actually begins to happen and then slowly and subtly without this attention you begin to grow apart from one another and you just exist do you know one of the sadnesses of my, my whole life is that meeting people whose marriages are not going to split up, they're not going to, you know, be destroyed, but they're just sad. It's kind of like, listen, and I come out of, you know, being with people and think, and we said, you know, they just seem sad. Their marriage is sad. Their relationship is sad. There's loads of things going on. Their church is growing and they're doing all these things and there's signs and wonders, but... When you're with them, it feels like their marriage is not really what it was meant to be. In other words, ministries and marriages are not just meant to survive. They're meant to be wonderful. They're meant to be the best. You should, your goal is you're going to have the best marriage that's ever existed on this planet. You'll never get there because I've got it, but you can have a go. 
It's like that is the mentality. It's not just about survival. It's not just why do we marry in the first place if all it's about is the successful ministry and then the survival? And you meet couples that they're married and they're together and you know maybe they make love from time to time, etc. But it's just this overwhelming sadness that's there, like the husband and wife kind of deep down know. They just know. It's not meant to be like this, but you know what? We've been together for a long time, and we don't know how to fix it, and there's a lot of other pressures on our lives, etc. These are danger signs for all these things. There's no joy. There's no fulfillment in it. Um, we want to have a vibrant partnership that is actually growing from strength to strength and not fading out. And this year, early this year, after 36 years of marriage, um, we just registered, we realized that we were in danger because of the demands upon our lives of beginning to take one another for granted and neglecting one another and drifting. So it doesn't matter how many years you've been married, you wake up one day and it starts. I'd like to share with you three areas of how we should be growing together as the years go by and how we can begin to shut the door on the enemy and also begin to build such relationships. In, and we're all talk, we're going to take it for granted. We're all busy and we're all juggling and there's loads of things and there's the children. and so We're all at different seasons of life in this room, okay? So some of us are kind of, you know, we've got nine children under three and we're really kind of busily giving ourselves to that. Some of you are another season of life where your kids are in teenagers and that brings a whole new level of it. And then, you know, we've just come into the the empty nest thing where our kids have all grown up and have all got married and have got their own children. Over the years, actually, people said to us, you know, it's really difficult when it comes to the empty nest stage. You'll really find it so difficult. They were wrong. <laughs> okay, so three things. Three. This is great, isn't it? It's just, anyway, three things. First of all, we must grow together in partnership. It's difficult these days because you might be working and your wife might be working and you're in different worlds, blah, blah, blah. But one flesh must surely mean together, totally involved in one another's worlds. Um, it's not even about roles. It's about us being a team. And Liz and I talk more and more about marriage as a team. I think traditionally we were taught, you know, it's the role of the husband, it's the role of the wife, and we kind of get that. But the actual reality is, no, we're one, and we're a team, and all that that comes from that. So to ensure a really happy marriage in the midst of the busyness of life is to know you're growing together and becoming more and more a team rather than less and less. So I see some marriages that began well, brilliant team, over the years it's drifted and they're hardly a team together, which is very, very sad. And you have to work out what that might be looking like in your relationship as I do in mine. It might be very different from one another. And I know we both have something to bring and we grow together in this more and more and more. We are a partnership. And for us to constantly know, Liz and I, what, is, what have we got to contribute, what's going on in one another's lives means that we're intentional at getting closer as the years go by at the expense of everybody else. I often say one flesh means exclusivity. This is a relationship no one gets in on. And so it's kind of like if there's always other people in your life, and that happens particularly when you have children, 
you have to work hard at that exclusivity. My friend John Lanferman in the States, who we have a very much accountable relationship to him and Linda, they speak into our lives a lot, just said to Liz on one occasion, you're not going to be straight with this, I don't think, but anyway, go ahead. Okay, so he just said to her, Liz, I have noticed that you really give yourself to your children and Dave is suffering. I thought this was just great counsel. <laughs> Liz got really offended that he said this. How how can you say this? This is not true. But the truth was, when we talked about it, it was something. And so from that moment on, we worked hard at having an exclusive relationship with one another, no matter how many kids were around or how long they were going to stay. Because one day they're going to go. And when they go, if you don't have something exclusive that's unique to you, you will definitely suffer. So do it now rather than waiting for it all to be worked out later on in life. Growing together in partnership. I have this one fear, and the fear is this increasingly. The glow of two iPads <laughs> in the evening, just shining as she is on Facebook, because obviously the bloke isn't, and he is on his social media, and this, this glow of the iPads mentality. There's something rather shallow about this. Shut it down, talk, and begin to really invade one another's lives. Number two, growing together will involve the knowledge of one another. It's kind of like when you get married, you think, I really know this woman, you have no idea. And it's like, you really don't know one another at all on your wedding day. It's only the beginning. And then this mysterious relationship, and the men find women a mystery, a mystery anyway, who we are and what we're called to do and what's our calling is a constant intentional aspect of our lives together and grows out of my knowledge of Liz, how she's wired, what she has to bring. Um, and actually, there's no, one that likes, there's no one that knows you like your wife or your husband know you and that's been very important for me when I've gone through weaknesses and vulnerabilities and difficulties and sicknesses and things Liz really really knows and guys if I can just say this 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 is what it affects I absolutely listen to her I listen to her more than anyone about me because with all the will in the world with friends who can speak into my life which they do I know at the end of the day that she really knows and that's why God has joined us together and our growth together comes from constantly growing in our knowledge of one another and just when I think I've really got to know her there's some surprising elements that's involved with that number three is communication key to growing together is we communicate well many couples are just not good at communicating with one another they grow apart due to not listening or understanding Uh, I, I think Liz and I have to say we are quite a bit bemused about the number of married couples we know in ministry who hardly take time out to talk to one another about how they're doing and how the kids are doing. They just don't do it. They don't plan their diaries. They don't have conversation. We are doing this all the time. If someone said to me, how has your marriage been successful? There's several answers, but one of them certainly would be, we've worked hard at communication. We've worked hard at spending time talking to one another. And uh, understanding one another and helping one another has been so big in our lives. I, I learned early on in our marriage that um, there are times when your wife wants to talk to you, but she doesn't want you to give an answer. Now, this is really difficult. And it's even more difficult for guys in ministry because we fix things for a living. 
That's what we do. We fix problems, we fix churches, we fix issues. So when your wife starts talking to you about an issue, you think, I can fix this. I know the answer. I've got a five-point plan. I just know it. So in the early days in our communication, I used to do this. And it would, it would be a disaster. And Liz would start crying. You don't understand. I said, yes, I do. I can fix this. I've got I know how to do this. And then we worked it out together. She doesn't want me to fix the problem. She doesn't want me even to speak into the problem. She just wants to know that I'm listening and understanding. It's a bit difficult because then there are conversations where your wife says, well, why don't you speak? Say something. (laughs) Because I'm just learning not to say anything. (laughs) And then, of course, I, as a guy, often when I'm going through a difficult time, I go into what Liz calls my cave. It's a very complicated marriage, isn't it? To know when to. I mean, one time in our marriage, Liz said to me, we had a bit of a conversation and it was ending in tears and it was all very complicated and difficult. And I did the disastrous thing that guys who are in ministry do. say, I'm sorry, darling, I've got a meeting. I've got to go. I mean, I look back now, you know, but those were the days when we were really committed. So <laughs> I left her literally in the kitchen and cry, crying her eyes out and I went out to solve some problem in the church life or something gallant. Of course, three hours later when I come back, she's still, the I'm hoping by now she's got over it. So I come back, she hasn't got over it. So again, we have this big conversation. And she says, all I wanted you to do was put your arms around me. And I'm thinking and saying, then why didn't you tell me? I am not born with this antennae that says put arms around wife now. You know, it doesn't come like that. It's just these moments and you realise communication is a difficult thing. Let me finish and then get Liz to get up and speak. I share this verse with you, which is quite well known, just to raise the issues that we're looking at today. So important. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, and so that your prayers may not be hindered. Um, just, just comments. Be considerate. Husbands, I'm talking to you now. Be considerate to your wives in an understanding way. Ask yourself, what would that look like? Ask your wife, what would that look like? If I was to take more time out to consider you, to understand you. Secondly, treat them with respect. I think sometimes we disrespect one another. We say things that are harmful. We say things to other people about one another. That should be a no-go area, by the way. But we really, really should treat one another with respect and with honour. I've learned over the years to really respect Liz enormously and to honour her and to listen to her and to, I was going to say to submit to her, that would be not biblical, but you know what I mean. In partnership, just to know that she is the one who's right now calling the shots and she's right. And then the other thing is, treat her as an heir with you in life. And I feel this year I got to a point where I realized I'd taken her for granted. I was getting too busy to really even notice her, her um, suggestions and comments. And I'd not been good at the application of all the things I've just been talking about. And I used excuses like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Well, you're not tired for everybody else in your life. 
And there you go. That's where you start to realize you're making choices. And all of this culminated into me saying to Liz, why don't we have a retreat? Why don't we stop everything we're doing and find somewhere where we can go and just be alone together? I want to do 1 Peter 3, 7. I, I really want to honor you and listen to you, and we're not going to do it as we're living. Now, listen, I've always been good at talking to one another on the road. So it's not like we, we need a retreat because we never raise issues and talk. But the problem is we talk incidentally and then we move on to the next thing. I said we really need to have some time out. And we've done a, we kind of done a day away together or we did once a day, a night and a day together. But we went for it. We, we found somewhere. We went for five days and we had a tre- retreat all on our own in a house that someone obviously wasn't there and we just had this retreat. It was really weird. It started off really, really challenging because suddenly there's the two of you and there's no iPads. This is a retreat, okay? And it's just the two of you and you're thinking, whoa, how do we, what do we do for five days? How do we do this? And I have to say to you, it was absolutely amazing because once we got over the oddness and the weirdness of this, it became a total joy and wonderful pleasure and it changed things and we're today living in the good of what that was and I'm hoping Liz will share a little bit more about what we talked about and the things that we did so over to you